quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, Coop, here we go. New normal. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. There's much discussion about what the inaugural yesterday meant. Bottom line, you measure the importance of yesterday by what happens Today, tomorrow, and over the next few weeks, period. In other words, we only know what they show. For all the politics that has Biden spinning out executive orders in all directions, we know the priority. It must be the pandemic, specifically getting people to control what they can in terms of cases and getting the president and the government to control what they must in terms of the vaccine. States all over the country are floundering. They're under-resourced and understaffed. A hundred million doses in a hundred days, says Biden. Catchy. But that won't control the contagion. So what will be done and how can we track it? Now, luckily, tonight we have a fair broker to let us know the truth about what made things hard in fighting this pandemic and what is needed to make things better. That broker, America's doctor. Tony Fauci, President Biden's new chief COVID medical advisor. He was able to survive in Trumpdom without becoming a patsy, without having to echo lies to survive. We have him for the straight talk about what could not be said freely then. We go forward with three goals, transparency, responsibility, and accountability. Those must be our guiding principles to get to a better place. Together, you and I can make sure that the power of the people controls the people in power. We need to heal culturally, absolutely. But just as importantly, we need to get well physically. Only when we have a society that can hit on all cylinders, when we can live our lives and fully function, work, school, home, then we can deal with everything else that ails us. And if the pandemic is handled with a sense of equity, urgency, accountability, a lot of other problems that we uh, have will be addressed in that process. Now, President Biden's first full day in office comes a year to the day after the first COVID case in America was identified. He sent a clear message. This rounding the corner BS stops now. Things are going to continue to get worse before they get better. The death toll will likely top 500,000 next month. The cases will continue to mount. We didn't get into this mess overnight, and it's going to take months for us to turn things around. But let me be equally clear. We will get through this. We will defeat this pandemic. Help is on the way. Now, he already gave you a more truthful assessment than you ever heard from the last president. In fact, the numbers aren't just going to get worse. They are worse. They're piling up all the time. We're setting new records for deaths and cases every day or every other day. And that's going to continue for a while. How much will you care? We'll see. He's asking all of us to mask up the next 100 days and is using the powers of the federal government to ramp up production of PPE and accelerate testing and vaccinations. This is not new, this idea. He didn't create it. He didn't think it up. It's been begged for 
by states and other interested parties for months. Another key development, a new White House COVID-19 response coordinator in town, okay? Uh, Jeff Zients. Finally, there is someone who is supposed to know what's happening and why. He will be the person where the buck stops. Remember, everybody's saying to me, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it's the CDC. I don't know. Governors saying that to us. They don't know who's controlling what they get. Now they will. He must be accessible daily. He must be straight. And I hope that President Biden learns this lesson from the past. He's got to lead from the front. Just as important as what the administration can do is what we must watch from others who are going to try to stop things from getting done. The Retrumplicans who remain. This collective stain in Congress. They're already trying to rewrite recent weeks, create distractions and inaction. The test is simple. If you can't be straight about the past and say that it was wrong to try to decertify this election, then you can't be trusted going forward. Now, an example from just tonight, Nicole Maliotkis, Maliotakis, she's a New York representative. She was on CNN earlier, okay? She was among those who voted to overturn the election after the insurrection. Witness what must not be tolerated. I think that there are tens of millions of Americans out there who had concerns and wanted to have hearings on this issue. I decided to vote along uh, against the certification because I did believe in those two particular states, by the way, states that violated their state constitutions. It doesn't matter to me if it was one vote, 10 votes or 10,000 votes. The American people deserve to know one vote that's uh, fraudulent is one too many. You don't decertify an election because you're curious about things. And she knows it. It's all BS and she knows it. There were no hearings in Congress. Go tell that uh, to your senator buddy. He held one, Ron Johnson, and it was a joke. Nobody looked at the proof. Courts absolutely looked at arguments and proof all across the country, all kinds of judges, all different jurisdictions. Some appointed by Trump. They dismissed the proof as uncompelling and insufficient dozens of times. And again, she knows it. So what's the fallback? Perverse populism. People are worried. They've heard stories. So I voted to decertify this election in certain states in their interest. Wrong. You made them worried by lying like this. And you did it to disrupt the democracy, period. So no, your claim to want to work with Biden is unacceptable until you own what you did, period. Every one of them must be tested this way. You are making such a huge mistake if you just let things continue on and hope they'll be better. There's no reason to be better if they're not burned by what they did that was worse. And it's not going to happen in Congress. There's not the will. It has to be us. It has to be. You have to cut them off if they lie, deny, or defy. You're not getting a full hearing here. I'm going to let you make your case. And as soon as you go off the tracks of the truth, it's over. Last week, the top Trumplican in the House, Kevin McCarthy, admitted that Trump bore responsibility for the Capitol insurrection. He said it. But now this. 
I don't believe he provoked if you listen to what he said at the rally. He says, I don't think he provoked it if you listen to what he said. Exactly what he said was provocative, and he knows it. So if McCarthy believes what he said, how does he explain so many who did horrible things saying they did it at Trump's urging? Look, he didn't mean what he said yesterday. He didn't want to move forward in some kind of interest to the people. He just lied about something that he knows is inimical to the people's interests. He can't be trusted. And those people also said they weren't just acting on Trump. They were acting on Senator Cruz's urging as well. Not hearing anything from the Republican caucus in the Senate about him, right? Imagine if he were a Democrat. And then Cruz comes to the inauguration yesterday, a day that was supposed to be about unity, in this stupid mask. He wore the same one on Insurrection Day when he voted to overturn the election on the basis of no proof but polls. Come and take it is sewn on it. A revolution symbol. They carry the Trump virus, these guys. And it's just as sickening to us as COVID in terms of our democracy. This symbol that was waved around by domestic terrorists who came to the Capitol on the 6th. That's what we want in our leaders? Come and get it? To keep showing solidarity with the worst of us who tried to violently take down our democracy? Don't allow it. Demand it be called out and watch the places that do the job for you. So while these Trumplicans remain and you have to watch this, they may slow progress, okay? But they have little ability to stop it altogether. So what do we do? Well, here's the good news. Because they don't control, others are free to be candid without worrying about people like that coming down on them for mentioning facts they wanted hidden. People who sound anew, like Fauci. I take no pleasure at all in being in a situation of contradicting the president. So it was really something that you didn't feel that you could actually say something and there wouldn't be any repercussions about it. The idea that you can get up here and talk about what you know, what the evidence, what the science is, and know that's it. Let the science speak. It is somewhat of a liberating feeling. Dr. Fauci is here. Good to see you, sir. Good to be with you. Good luck going forward. Um, Now, as you plan uh, to do things better, what do you identify as the major obstacle to this point in terms of getting the country where it needed to be with testing, tracing, and the vaccine? Well, it's got to be unity, uh, Chris. We've got to be all pulling together and put aside that just extraordinary, uh, you know, obstructive type of divisiveness that did not allow us as a country to work for the common good. I mean, this is an obvious, very serious situation. You know the numbers very well, Chris. We don't need to go over them. They're devastating. The only way we're going to get around it is to act in unity. Everybody wear a mask. Everybody adhere to the public health measures. Get the vaccine out as expeditiously as possible. Do everything we can to get the doses available and to get them into people's arms. Set the goal, which I think is a reasonable goal, of 100 million doses or 100 million people being vaccinated in the first 100 days. And just look at the things that you can do. How can the federal government and the states work together? I mean, I was with the president today and 
He said over and over again that we were going to have science drive what we do. We're going to be transparent. We're going to be open and honest. We're not going to blame anybody. We'll make mistakes. And when we do, we'll own up to it. I mean, that's the kind of attitude that you really need if you want to pull together in a very difficult situation that we're in right now with this historic pandemic. What would happen before in terms of saying, look, we need to be saying this. We have to say how bad it is. Uh, We have to do better than this. The federal government has to put their arms around it. They have to own it. What would happen? Well, obviously, there'd be conflict there. Uh, There'd be people, you know, in the government who'd be telling you that, don't say those kinds of things. You're not optimistic enough. Look upward. You know, don't look at the at the downside of things. None of us were trying, you know, to be pessimistic, but we had to test reality and we had to face reality. And there were a lot of good people during the Trump group who were there. I mean, people in the trenches, people on the coronavirus task force. So who was the resistance trying their best? So where was it coming from? Was it it at the agency level or what? The White House? No, no, no. The agencies were fine. And and it it wasn't anyone. There was not the leadership from above in the sense where the president would come and say, we're owning this. I mean, often I have said, Chris, the only way to solve a problem is to own it. I mean, if you don't say I own the problem and I'm going to try and fix it, it's not going to get fixed. It's not going to get fixed simultaneously. You've got to go out and try to do something about fixing it. And then that that was really one of the problems. A lot of people tried hard. And one of the things that I feel badly about, that there are a lot of people in there who are really trying hard to get the right thing done. But it was very tough when you didn't have the leadership from above. Well, look, hopefully uh, you have a lot of people who want to get the right things done. And you shouldn't have anybody who is fighting the facts because they want to hide from the reality for their own benefit. That is something that truly made us sick. So I look with skepticism at 100 million uh, in 100 days. Uh, Why? Catchy, but the experts, as you know, say, well, we're pretty close to that, and it's not enough anyway. Too low a bar? Right. Now, Joe Biden said today, the president, too low a bar, he he told the media, you guys said it wasn't possible when I said it. So what's the truth? You know, the truth is you set a goal, and if you get higher than the goal, that's going to be great. We're obviously going to try to get much better. We're going to try and get as much as we possibly can. If we do more than that, that's great. But at least set a goal and say, this is where we want to be. And if we overshoot it, if we get more than that, that's terrific. So the idea, at least you have a goal. You're pushing for something. It's not just vague and open-ended. So that's the reason why I think it's a good thing to do that. And if we do more than that, that's going to be great. I'm all for that. Another thing uh, that I don't buy Uh, comes out of our reporting. I have two new pieces of reporting. The first one is uh, that people within the administration say they're starting from scratch with a vaccine. No, they're not. Uh, You have an infrastructure out there that you're well aware of. It has to be improved. Um, But they shouldn't get any benefit of a low bar here either. You know, there's a lot going on already. Are they going to scrap it or are they going to build on it and make it better? No. No, they're not going to scrap it, Chris. They're going to, I mean, I was involved in the development of that stuff. Mm-hmm. They were not going to scrap that. There are a lot of good things that went with that happened uh, with the development of the vaccine program. I mean, Operation Warp Speed had a lot of successes. There were some missteps. 
but a lot of success is there. No, we're going to be building on things. We're not going to be destroying it, putting aside, saying it's useless. We're going to take the good parts and amplify them, make them better, and we're going to go for the goal. And that is to get as many people vaccinated as you possibly can, as expeditiously as you can. That's the goal. We're not going to trash anything. You're hearing this. I've lived it firsthand. Um, I'll tell you what, the pain of watching my wife and my sisters try to get our parents. The vaccine is worse than when I had COVID. I have to tell you, um, you're hearing those stories from yeah. everybody. You got to work the internet uh, like you were an IT pro. You have to find open slots. Then you get the slot and there's a ton of paperwork and they don't tell you till the end whether or not you're eligible. And then they say to you, you have an appointment, but don't come. We don't have the vaccine. What do you say to people who are dealing right. uh, with this mess? We got to do better. And that's what we say. And in fact, that's what the president How? and the vice president what said makes today that better? in my meeting. Well, you got to take a look at what the problem is and try to do something to fix it. You just can't throw your hands up and say that's the way it is. If it is the way you're describing, and I've heard the same thing, Chris, you got to get into the trenches and find out what the problem is and fix it. You got to help the federal government, help the states to as much as they can. Go to the states, find out what the problem is, hear from them in the trenches. I think that was one of the things that troubled me, you know, back uh, just a little while ago, is that we would be saying things sometimes in the situation room. I'd get on the phone at night and talk to my colleagues and they say, we don't know what you're talking about because we're not getting this done. So what we've got to do is we've got to keep our ear to the ground, get in the trenches, find out what's wrong and do something to fix it. Face up to when there is a problem. Is, and if there's a problem, go after it. Is the coordinator Zients, am I saying his name right? Z-I-E-N-T-S? Right. Right. It, right. It, Jeff Zients. Is that a key fix in terms of having somebody? Because, yeah. you know, on, on the record, yeah. I reached out to you and a lot of other people I know in and around the government trying to find out points of contact for different states and localities who were saying they didn't know who to ask about when they were going to get what. Will he be the fix right. that's needed? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Je Jeff is terrific. And, you know, Jeff in the Obama administration fixed a lot of things. Okay. He's very well respected. He's a get it done guy. So I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to be fine with Jeff. The CDC says people can schedule their second doses of COVID-19 vaccine up to six weeks after their first doses if they are otherwise unable to get one in the recommended time frame. Um, now, that goes to People freaking out that it's so hard to get the first shot that they won't be able to get the second shot in time. And that will make the first shot useless. So they seem to be extending right. from two, three weeks to six weeks. You OK with that? You're taking a chance. The data from the clinical trials, Chris, showed that in the Moderna trial, you should get the boost 28 days after the prime. That's what I got. And I got it exactly 28 days later. When you're dealing with Pfizer, it's 21. That's where the data show is the optimal effect. Certainly, it's conceivable that if you prolong it a bit, it's not going to be a big deal. But we don't know that because the data have not been looked at when you extend the time for the duration. But if you're in a fix and you have no other choice, Immunologically, Chris, when you think about that, it should not make that much of a difference. I think that may be what you're hearing. What about the variants uh, that as this thing starts to change the virus, the vaccine may not work. Um, you may need something different. What does the science tell us? 
Well, the science tells us right now, when you look at these variants, and there are a number of ones, there's ones that was dominant in the UK. That's the one that's in several states here in the United States. It's not dominant in the United States, but it's here. Then there's the South African one, which is similar to one in Brazil. The critical issue, it looks like all of those make the transmissibility much more efficient. Mm -hmm. So it's more transmissible. Doesn't necessarily make the virus more dangerous, but you got to be careful and don't get into a complacency there because if more people get infected, then more people are going to be hospitalized and ultimately more people are going to die. So it may not be inherently more virulent, but at the end of the day, it's not a good thing. The thing that we're looking at very carefully is what is the effect of those mutants on the ability of the immune response, the antibodies that are induced by the vaccine to protect you. It likely is going to have some effect, but not enough to obviate the protection of the vaccine. Having said that, the data now show that we're still in pretty good shape with regard to protection. But you got to watch it carefully. And if you need to move in the sense of maybe getting a vaccine that's more suited to the variant, then you go there. That's where we are right now. Not a problem in the sense immediately being an issue with the protection, but something you absolutely need to keep your eye on and be ready to respond to it. Two other quick things. One, uh, when could we see the Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca in the mix? Well, Johnson and Johnson's right around the corner, Chris. What does that mean? Uh, you know, the people from J and J right around the corner means that they're probably a couple of weeks away from getting the data looked at to have the FDA evaluate whether or not we're in a situation where we could move ahead and start thinking about getting it out into the public. Single shot. Because the last time we checked with J and yeah, it's a single shot. I mean, it has some advantages. It's a single shot. It doesn't have as stringent cold chain requirements. So it'll be really good to get it in the mix for a number of reasons. One, it's a single shot. And two, it's yet again another source of vaccine that we'll need to relieve the pressure of the amount that we have available. Um, February, uh, what about AstraZeneca? AstraZeneca is not quite there yet. Okay. You know, that, that's one that's being tested in multiple countries. It's, it's a bit behind, but not too far behind. February 2022. If current pace holds 892,000 doses a day, we would get to 75% of U.S. adults vaccinated by February 2022. Not good enough. How do we get better than that? No, no. Uh, we are going to get better than that because the, the way the plan to get people vaccinated, that we can and should get 70 to 85% of the people vaccinated by the end of the summer if we do it correctly. Okay, so you're saying it could be radically sooner than that if the production ramps up the way yes, of, yeah, that we want to. Abs absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and Chris, that's exactly what President Biden was talking about, namely getting community vaccine centers, getting the pharmacies fully involved, using mobile units to get into inaccessible places. When you put out all the plugs on that, you know, you put the pedal to the floor, you can get it done. It's, it's, it's entirely feasible that if we really put a full court press on this, we can get that number of people vaccinated by the end of the summer. Why wasn't it being done that way anyway when the vaccine was everything that administration was hanging its hat on? It wasn't working on masks, testing, tracing, the Defense Production Act. It was banking all on that. They had gotten this. Why didn't they plan for their own success? Well, it, well, you know, in fairness to what went on before, 
the production is not one that you all of a sudden are going to have, you know, 600 million doses for 300 million people right away. It takes time to get those doses available to put into people. Mm. So you can't just have it all at once. So you need to be fair in that respect. Last quick question. Uh, governors all over the country want to be able to source the vaccine themselves. We saw this with PPE. Um, to be completely transparent, seeing how people can just go back and Google it anyway, we had this um, conversation many times on and off uh, camera when I was watching the state and frankly helping the state try to source PPE. Then uh, it was out of desperation. What do you say to governors, including my brother, who wants to source the vaccine himself? My understanding was that the federal government can get the most of this with the deepest pocket fastest. But given the desperation, what yeah. do you say to governors like him who want to source it themselves? Yeah, I mean, you could understand the frustration and the need to want to do that. But that would really upset the, the, the plan and the flow that you're going to get through Operation Warp Speed. I could understand they're wanting to do that, Chris, but I wouldn't recommend it. All right. Only thing I'll say is, Dr. Fauci, you tell him. Uh, what I will say to you and the audience uh, is thank you for being straight with us. Thank you for being able to come on. You will always have this show as a platform, Zeintz, any of you to give the people the information that they need to know so they understand the real expectations and limitations. Thank you, doctor. And I hope you get a second wind. Thanks an awful lot, Chris. Thanks for having me. Be strong and be safe. All right, good. So there you go. That, a lot of that we wouldn't have been able to say a few weeks ago. I'm telling you right now, not because Tony Fauci doesn't play straight, but he would have to balance what he was going to say with what would be done to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, we got to do better than February 2022. He wasn't going to say that. He would have been attacked. So now you can get it straight. And now we can hold them to account for what they say they're going to do and how. And that's how we move forward. That's the pandemic. Now, where does the democracy stand a day after the inauguration? President Biden is redoing a lot of what had been undone by Trump. It's not him vindictively going after Trump. Trump undid things from Biden and Obama's uh, administration. That's a fair read. So is there a better way going forward? Let's discuss the process. Two great minds. Next. All right, here's a little inside baseball for you. There are two key delays being argued, negotiated right now. And the question becomes, could these delays, could these steps backwards wind up helping us get forward faster. Let's bring in Van Jones and Dana Bash. Thank you very much. The first one of these, um, Dana, is McConnell stalling the Senate power sharing negotiations mm -hmm. because he wants a commitment from Schumer to not kill the filibuster. The filibuster is the tool of the minority. Uh, it's mm -hmm. of the Senate's design and it allows the minority to stop votes and buy time. And the question is, Will Schumer get rid of it and have a simple majority rule for once and always? What's the plus minus? Well, uh, this is Mitch McConnell playing hardball, as he as he is wont to do. And there is a good reason for him to do this politically, obviously, because we heard throughout the primary season uh, that Democrats we're listening to their voters. It doesn't really seem that typical for voters to be out there talking about the filibuster, but people understand the process uh, very, very well. And that uh, the last Democratic president, uh, President Obama, couldn't get 
a lot of his agenda through because of the filibuster. So they're saying that they want to get rid of it. It's already gone for judicial nominees, most judicial yep. nominees and, 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 um, and administration officials, but not for major legislation. But Chuck Schumer, the soon-to-be majority leader, is saying, no, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to hold you know, me hostage and, th and this whole power sharing agreement, which which pretty much done uh, the same as they have on the table now back in 2001, uh, because you uh, you want to tell me what to do. That's not going to happen. Why so does Schumer have to strong. negotiate? What's McConnell's leverage? That, that's exactly right. None. <laughs> um, none, except except there's one thing. Um, and that is that until that power sharing agreement is done and it passes the Senate, the Republicans still are chair of chairs of the committees. Oh, and that's how they mess with the appointments. Continues. Right. OK, thank you on that. All right. Now, the other delay, Van, is delaying the trial. Um, why delay the trial? OK, well, McConnell says let's delay it so that we can get other things done. Why do you believe McConnell wants to delay it? And what's the plus minus for justice? Well, uh, McConnell doesn't really want to have to deal with this thing. He thinks if he can kick it further down the road, maybe you can kick it all the way off the table. Um, right now, um, can't the, con the Senate a, has to do the trial constitutionally. They, well, ha they have, have to, to do it. If, it, it. They have to do the trial if Pelosi sends it over. Right. So the question is, when does Pelosi send it over? Well, if you kick it down the road and kick it down the road, maybe she never sends it over. That's the prayer. If you're McConnell, because he's between a rock and a hard place. He does not want to have his uh, his members have to take a tough vote that could either have them seem to be on record supporting an insurrection and a, and a riot or uh, going against you know their most recent president. So he doesn't want to deal with this thing. It's a sticky pickle. It's a hot potato. He wants to kick it down the road. That could be good for Democrats, though, because Democrats, I think, now would be, frankly, much more focused uh, in the immediate term on getting Biden, his team, mm -hmm. and getting some things done. And so you could find some weird shared interest in a delay, not forever, mm -hmm. but at least enough of a delay to get uh, Biden's team in place. So you're, but you're watching now three-dimensional, five-dimensional chess happening mm -hmm. in real time. Mm. The Queen's Gambit, loved it. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what though, I think time hurts Trump. I think the longer it's delayed, the more people will see that they don't need him the same way. He doesn't cast the same shadow, may work against him. Um, Dana, the idea of not handing over the articles of impeachment, is that mm -hmm. the, the, the worst thing Pelosi could do if she wants to stay speaker is not hand down the article? Uh, not if, there's, if this is something that is agreed to by both the Democrats and the Republicans, and if she says it is in the interest of the new administration and in the interest of the new administration focusing on what you were just talking to Dr. Fauci about, uh, getting a handle on the pandemic, getting a handle on the economy, and getting his people in place in order to do that, um, I think she's, she's on solid political ground, and I'm sure... She knows better than anybody uh, where, to, where to put her feet when she's on thin ice. But she's got a lot of people different than the Senate and the House. She's got a lot of people that the idea of giving Trump anything that even sniffs has a mm -hmm. scent of a pass uh, is going to play very badly. Van, Dana, thank you very much. I bet you guys didn't know how many games are played, right? They have to have a power sharing agreement. Isn't that what you just did? Didn't you just decide how they share power?
There's a lot of games in there, and you have to follow them. So now let's discuss it. We have a member of Congress. Um, Does this member of Congress, I bet you know who she is, believe the Republicans want to work with Biden on any level? And what does the famous AOC from New York believe about these two delay issues that we were just talking about? Fresh perspective from a new leader. Next. Seven Democratic senators filed an ethics complaint against Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. Why? Capitol riot. This is where the soaring rhetoric of inaugurals meets the reality. How does President Biden's call for unity fit with members of Congress fearful of their own colleagues? That is an important point about the state of play. But just as is important is how did the Democrats handle this new administration? Key guest. Okay, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman, New York. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Great to see you. No inauguration for you. You were up uh, where in Hunts Point um, with workers fighting for uh, minimum wage increase, mandatory minimum wage in the South Bronx. Why do you hate Joe Biden? Why were you there? (laughs) No, no. You know, in New York City, 60% of all of the produce in New York City and in the region comes through the Hunts Point produce market. And these workers that have been risking their lives every single day this past year in the pandemic, um, who are loading the trucks, getting this produce so that, you know, putting food on our tables are struggling to feed their own kids. And they're asking for something very simple in a time when the grocery industry and the delivery industries are experiencing record profits as we all stay home during COVID. And they're asking for a dollar raise, a $1 raise from a corporation that enjoys plenty of public tax benefits and giveaways. And it is frankly shocking and embarrassing that this there is even a question here um, in giving these folks a buck an hour uh, in, in, a, in a raise. They deserve it. They deserve to have their issue amplified. And the Teamsters 202 team out there has been doing incredible work. Um, they sounded the alarm. They needed some help yesterday. And um, I am so thrilled for President Biden and, and Vice President uh, Harris. It's great to drop the elect now and just say that they're president mm-hmm. and vice president. Um, and, um, and you know, I think the, the festivities were phenomenal. We had incredible poetry from uh, Amanda Gorman, I believe. Is Amanda Gorman, and, um, uh, the first youth poet laureate. Uh, extraordinary um, metaphor for the promise of this country. You knew that people would ask why you weren't there. Um, Mm -hmm. this was a good cause from your perspective uh, of dealing with your constituency, but this was supposed to be a show of force and unity and you weren't there. Explain it. Yeah. You know, I think we also had very real security concerns as well. Um, as you mentioned earlier, um, we still don't yet feel safe around other members of Congress. How many are we? um, I think a very considerable amount. Um, a lot of members do not. You really feel think fact, that colleagues today. of yours in Congress may do you dirty? Yeah, well, one just tried to bring a gun on the floor of the House today. I believe it was uh, Representative Andy Harris of Maryland. He tried to. Um, bring in a gun onto the House floor for individuals who don't know guns are not allowed in the District of Columbia. And certainly um, the House floor 
is uh, ha there are separate house rules that prohibit um, the bringing in of firearms. Now, these are rules that date back to the Civil War. And um, these are individuals that are trying to sneak firearms either illegally or in direct violation of house rules. Why does a member of Congress need to sneak a gun onto the House floor? Do you think they're bringing it in there because they want to protect all of you from, um, you know, insurrectionists like we saw a couple of weeks ago? Or do you think there really is a chance that you may be the enemy? Well, here's what I'll say. The moment you bring a gun onto the House floor in violation of rules, you put everyone around you in danger. It is irresponsible, it is reckless, but beyond that, it is in violation of rules. You are openly um, disobeying the rules that we have established as a community, which means that you cannot be trusted to be held accountable to what we've decided as, as a community. And so I don't really care what they say their intentions are. I care what the impact of their actions are. And the impact is to put all 435 members of Congress in danger. You know, he tried to hand off his gun to another member who didn't have a license. Um, and at any responsible gun owner knows that you don't just hand off your gun to another individual. You have to clear it, et cetera. And, um, and that just goes to show, you know, it doesn't matter what your intention is. If you are irresponsible, if you are trying to break rules, mm -hmm. if you're trying to sneak a firearm onto the floor of the house. I don't care if you accidentally set it off. I don't care if you intentionally set it off. I don't care if you don't set it off at all. You are put, you are endangering the lives of members of Congress. And it is absolutely outrageous that we even have to have this conversation. Well, you're going to keep having it because I think that they're going to be uh, very dramatic lines drawn and you're going to have the other side to contend with, but your own as well. Uh, I don't know if you could hear the last segment, but as you well know, you didn't need to hear it. Uh, there is consideration about when your speaker hands over the article of impeachment. What do you think about the idea of any delay, let alone the possibility of a pass for Donald Trump coming from the Democrats? Well, I will say that I, I do not believe that the speaker has any intention of giving President Trump a pass. Um, and I say that with, you know, great confidence because, uh, there is really no understating. And as we see with these investigations, more facts are coming out every day. In fact, um, you know, just reasserting and revealing how much more dangerous than people initially believed that this uh, insurrection was. Um, so I do not believe that there's an intention to give a free pass. Um, however, I would, you know, really advise my colleagues, particularly my Republican colleagues who had certainly um supported the underlying lie that led to this insurrection um, to really think about what they are doing in trying to protect Donald Trump. Because if there's one thing that they should know is that for all the amount that they will try to protect him, he will do little to nothing to mm. protect That's them. That's always been the way. Unless it is directly It's never interest. been loyalty. It's always been fealty. Um, but now the state That's of play, right. you know, you, you hold, you know, you hold the power in your hands now collectively. How much of a delay is OK with you? Well, you know, I think that um, the moment we get to a point where we are delaying, um, where we are almost where that delay is coming from us, 
and where that delay is really starting to get in the way of justice, then we need to really start figuring out what in fact is going on. However, um, hey, if they want to delay it, let's bring up a vote to expel Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley from the Senate. You think they because should be out? Because if we've got time on our hands, then we should be actually bringing justice to the members of Congress and the members of the Senate who also help support this insurrection. You think they should because be out? Because let's not, I, they absolutely, if they don't resign, they should be expelled Zero from the chance Senate. they resign. Represent Nobody resigns. Then, then we should hold the vote. Or, you know, we, I know we have an ethics inquiry coming up in the House. Um, you know, if an investigation bears out that representatives Mo Brooks or representatives, for example, um, you know, other other representatives that were there that day um, were in fact collaborating with these insurrectionists that led to the deaths of five people. They have no place in the House of Representatives either. What about just voting to decertify the election on the basis of polls or what they had heard may have happened? Well, you know, I think that there should be uh, consequences for attempting to overturn uh, our elections. And, you know, these investigations are bearing out and we will see um, to the full extent what we know from the facts of it. Um, but, you know, there are other consequences as well. You know, the People often say, and people often say that the House is about relationships. And when Democrats have a majority, there's also the question of, you know, even if members don't get expelled, do you really want to co-sponsor legislation with a member who doesn't even believe in the veracity of their own election? Mm. Because they were on the ballot along with Joe Biden and uh, Vice President Harris. And so if they don't even believe that they should be seated members of Congress, uh, why should we be co-sponsoring legislation and why should they even really, you know, ha be be acting uh, when they don't even believe in their own in the veracity of their own seats? No, and the so there's there's a spectrum here of action. Um, and I think all of it should be considered. I get the argument. Um, it is uh, a new phase here. The show is an open opportunity for you. Uh, to say what's happening, what you like and what you don't like, uh, that invitation is open. Also, please, at least office to office, let me know what happens with the labor dispute and what winds oh, up making absolutely. the difference. And I promise you, you will come back here and we will follow up on it if you want. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I wish you safety and I wish you success in getting things done <laughs> for the American people. We certainly need it. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Be well and thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. The feds keep working up through the ranks of the pro-Trump extremist groups that attack the Capitol. There are a lot of them. They are well-armed. They are vicious. And now they are aggressive. That list includes a leader of the Proud Boys in Florida. The FBI says Joseph Biggs wore an earpiece and a walkie-talkie to communicate with others. The question is, what impact arrests like these in the Biden inauguration are having on those who stormed the Capitol? We will be doing regular updates on this threat because it is not over. CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan is with me. You're the man for the job. Thank you for doing it. Um, this is a debrief. Take the time and let me know what you're hearing, what the impact on these groups is, and what seems to be the path ahead. 
Hey, uh, Chris, I mean, I think there are some QAnon followers tonight who are realizing that they have been duped, that, you know, they bought into the lie that Trump didn't lose the election. They bought into the lie for years now that he was some way going to round up and arrest uh, the so-called deep state. And they bought into the lie that he was going to thwart the inauguration of Joe Biden uh, in some way last minute. And those people right now are doing a lot of soul searching. But I don't think we should, you know, find ourselves with a false sense of security here that this is all going away. The same infrastructure online, the same Facebook groups, many of them are all still in place. Uh, the same right-wing media ecosystem, the echo chambers are still in place. And the same emotion and feelings in the country. People want to believe that this election was stolen is still in place. And actually, in the early hours, uh, I was on air with you before the inauguration, and the very early hours of inauguration day, I bumped into a Trump supporter. He was streaming live on YouTube. He was convinced that Trump was about to declare martial law to stop the uh, inauguration of Joe Biden, and I caught up with him yesterday afternoon after Biden was sworn in, and here's what he had to say. I was just kind of in shock, and I thought I had to reevaluate everything, the way my life was going to be now, because it's so, it's so different than, I, than my expectations, and I literally was just kind of walking around like, what now? Do you think maybe the way you were wrong about Joe Biden being a sworn in, you might be wrong about the whole election rigging thing? No, I'm convinced the election was a fraud. And that's the issue there, Chris, right? I mean, he can see that he bought into one conspiracy theory, but he can't accept that he has been duped by other conspiracy theories. And I think one thing that's really important to point out at this moment, at this sort of inflection point, is that not all QAnon believers are equal, right? There are the thugs who attacked the Capitol a few weeks ago in the name of QAnon. But there's a lot of people I know from traveling around the country, there's soccer moms that believe QAnon. There's people who believe in parts of QAnon and they don't even realize they believe in QAnon. And as these people now might come to realize that they have been fooled and duped, I think, you know, for viewers watching, many certainly will have QAnon believers in their families. It's time to listen to them. It's time to show some compassion. It's time to think about, you know, them as folks who are leaving a cult, because if we don't do that, uh, they might go down even further, darker rabbit holes online. You can reach out to the duped, but not to the diabolical. And when you're talking about the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, you're dealing with ugly groups that have become inserted into mainstream politics. Absolutely. And as you know, and as I'm being told, that's not going to end anytime soon. Uh, but this segment must. I'm out of time. Doni, I'll check back with you soon. Doni O'Sullivan, thank you. We'll be right back. That is it for us tonight. CNN Tonight, the big show with the big star, D. Lemon, right now. <laughs> you know, Chris... The right doesn't like it when you say people need to be deprogrammed. You know that, right? Deprogrammed? Yeah. We're talking about the QAnon people and the conspiracy theorist people. They yeah, don't... you know, I feel like uh, I'm missing something here um, because I know what QAnon is and I, I know what their reach is online. I am not as worried about the duped as I am about the diabolical. The Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, these other true extremist groups that have membership uh, that have, you know, these mantras and mottos and these mechanisms for change that is violent. Uh, I'm worried about them. Uh, there is true domestic terror capability and Trump unleashed the Kraken. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just go away because he did. Yeah. Well, and but also the it doesn't just go away because a lot of the people who enabled them are still in power. They're still mm -hmm. in Congress. They're still in the Senate. Um, there are still people of power who even beyond 
politics. There are people in the media who still enable them, who still uh, capitalize on the conspiracy theories to get them going, to continue to get them to watch uh, their programs. I mean, look at what's happening with conservative media. There's a whole uh, shift, right? The, the tectonic shift that's happening there because people need to go and get you know, pure conspiracy theories. This channel isn't giving me enough co- pure conspiracy theories. I need to go to the next one. And, until, and then they're going to continue to go to the next one. And so I think it's just a, it's a vicious cycle. They just Let keep them going. eat their own. Yeah, and that's, that's what will happen. Anger has an insatiable appetite. But all, you can only help people who want to help themselves. Remember that. Can't help them. If they don't want to help themselves, there's nothing that you or I um, can do about it. There are plenty of outlets putting out information, <laughs> pushing for transparency. If they want it, they can find it. Right, exactly. But they got to want to find it. Thank you, sir. I'll see you. Good to see you. Have Love you, D. Lemon. Love you as well. This- Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.